Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everybody. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International. With me, the normal host, the gold standard in ghost hunting, and tonight's our Brexit edition, um, because New England's own Van Helsing is away tending to St. Jan, who's having some surgery today, and we all very much wish her well. So I thought, as the cat's away and the mice are going to play, we do a Brexit edition. Um, we bring together the three primary nations of the United Kingdom. That's England, Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales. Of course, Ireland isn't part of the United Kingdom, and we don't want the Northern Irish, because they're causing us a load of bloody trouble at the moment. So, from Scotland, a nation used to trying to wriggle out from under the oppressing hand of the overlords. Stephen Scott, good evening. Good evening, Steve. How are you? Yeah, because you lot wriggled out, didn't you? You had to go at trying to escape the, ev- the clutches of the evil empire. It's not over yet. <laughs> uh, living hope, boy, living yeah, hope. We've all played risk. <laughs> Just because you lose one side of the board doesn't mean you're going to lose the whole game. Yeah. It's starting to seem a bit like that, isn't it? And um, joining me from England, a Welshman, because I'm obviously an Englishman living in Wales, uh, Dylan Jones. Good evening. How's it going? There we go. We've a lovely Welsh accent. Oh, thank you very much. So we, are now, we now have the three. I could do an Irish accent, then we could make it up, but you know, nobody wants to do a Northern Irish accent, do they? Because they are no, hard even, like that. Even I love you sounds like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this is this is still Ghost Chronicles International. I've called it the Brexit edition because uh, Britain is still in the throes of trying to escape the evil clutches of the dastardly European Empire and failing miserably to do so. We have a government that honestly makes Donald Trump like a statesman. I don't know if you say that, but I just <laughs> did. <laughs> so, I mean, the boundaries. <laughs> Are we? I mean, are we ever going to get out of this? Uh, we will. I, I promise, we will get onto the paranormal at some point. But I mean, are we ever going to get out of Europe? I think it's 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 the sequel to Groundhog Day. <laughs> Your answer is no. We're not leaving. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, because I, I mean, Scotland. You tried, didn't you? You tried to escape. You had no. a referendum a few years ago. Oh, that, that, that wasn't to escape Europe. We were told if we did leave the UK, we'd be forced out of Europe. So we decided to stay, and Westminster decided they're going to pull us out of Europe anyway, because Scotland wants to be in the U- European Union. Well, not all of Scotland, but for the most part, most um, well, put it this way, every constituency apart from one voted to stay. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but what, I mean, what's, what's interesting about this is the... Because I've referred several times to Northern Ireland, which, of course, is part of the uh, Great Britain. Is Great Britain and Northern Ireland? Yeah, the no, United it, it, Kingdom. It's the United Kingdom, isn't it? Yes. Although it isn't because it's not a kingdom. It's not it's, a separate kingdom. No, but it's, it's the United Kingdom of England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's Great Britain or the United Kingdom. No, Great, Great Britain's just Great a landmass. Great Britain land and Northern Ireland. 
Yeah, I see. You see, now, even as Brits get confused by this, and, of course, that's the other thing that we need to make clear to the Americans, that uh, there are four nations uh, that make up uh, our wee island. That's uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. But Ireland isn't Ireland because Ireland is also two halves. And moreover, uh, what the other confusing thing is the English aren't Brits. Because uh, I know a lot of Americans think that the Welsh are Welsh, the Scots are Scotch, and the English are Brits. So, yeah, confusing, well, isn't it? While we're talking about nations, Dylan, congratulations on a fantastic game. Oh, thank you very much. I, and do you know what? I was rooting the Scots on at Twickenham. They were just oh. so unlucky to clinch unlucky? at the end. Are you hang on, hang on. This isn't a sports review, boys. It was the biggest the... comeback in history, apart from brilliant. the women's team, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just praying that England wouldn't score at the end, and they did. Ah. Which is the, the other debate we ought to have, is why none of the Celtic nations like the English. And what, what, what I always like is, um, you know, every, t- every time there's a major sporting event and England are, are uh, playing against a nation like Uruguay or Paraguay or Germany, or the Scots all change nationality. Steve, yeah. can I, t- I can tell you right now why this happens. It's because the English commentators are obnoxious. Yeah. That's Johnny it in a nutshell. It's nothing oh, to do okay. with England. It's nothing to do with the English football team. I-, I would love to see them bring the World Cup back to the UK because, let's face it, it's never going to happen through Scotland. But it's the, it's the commentators. Yeah, it's, it, that's what it is. Just stop and try and listen to them from a change of pace. Every kick of the ball is 1966 all over again. Well, you know, you know I mean, yeah, but the English, I mean, we have, we, you know, we, we like to celebrate our victory. Oh yeah, quite right. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, every it was, year. It was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> We've launched the white cream egg campaign. It just reminds me of 1966 when they kicked that ball in the back of the net. Oh my God, here they go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rob will be listening to the podcast listening. What the hell are they doing to my show? But then, We're still yeah. making more sense than the last time the three of us got together. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he set a precedent, didn't he, on Ghost Chronicles The Next Generation once when we absolutely didn't talk about the paranormal for an yeah. entire hour. He set the bar so high I tripped over it on the way out the door. Well, it's probably one of the most misogynistic shows I've ever participated in. <laughs> certainly one of the most misogynistic shows I've tried not to participate in. <laughs> <laughs> oh well but I mean yeah, we we are I think we should introduce our respective roles to the listeners who by now are confused as to whether this is Ghost Chronicles that they're listening to whether this is Sports Review or whether this is some political uh, debate show um, but Stephen Scott you are in fact a spiritualist medium yes I am bringing a unique perspective to because you do a little paranormal investigation as well I stick my nose in from time to time. It's a rather small nose. Um, it does. I don't do it very often, but I do get involved in it sometimes. Yes. Well, and Dylan, um, you are a paranormal investigator, or do you prefer ghost hunter, or do you prefer something else? Do you know what? People are hung up over these terms. I, I, I quite like ghost hunter. I, you know, simple as, isn't it? Everybody knows what that is. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, should it be ghost hunter or should it be paranormal investigator? I mean, let's let's, ah, first, let's well, ask Stephen because Stephen is neither as mm, his primary. Neither, <laughs> neither, <laughs> neither, neither. Yeah. Yes. Tomato. <laughs> Hang on, look, 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 look. 
let's 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 unite because one of the big battles that we always have with New England's own Van Helsing when he's the main host of the show is his terrible pronunciation of our mother tongue. Yes. <laughs> so let's not start squabbling whether it's neither neither scone scone or fruit bun. <laughs> <laughs> So, paranormal investigator or ghost hunter, Stephen, which is well, which is the term that s- defines it, the role best for you? Well, I think it, dep- it that completely depends on the role that you're undertaking at the time. If you are investigating you been a uh, the paranormal... No, I should have been a politician. Um, <laughs> if you're investigating the paranormal, which doesn't just cover the investigation of ghosts uh-huh. or uh, spirit contact or that type of thing, then you're branching out into other realms of the paranormal. Uh, i.e. things that are above and beyond what most consider normal, which would also include um, people who look out for small crazy creatures like the Loch Ness Monster, you know, people who believe, who, I'll use the term loosely, believe or want to pursue the fact or discontinuation of flat earth, aliens, that type of thing. There's massive layers upon the paranormal, so it just depends what you do. If Dylan investigates ghosts, then I would classify Dylan as a, as a, as a ghost hunter. Okay. Yeah, because... Yeah. Because uh, one of the problems that we, we get now is this uh, – it's something I encountered years ago because this question does arise. There is this hierarchy that, that tries to impose itself from time to time. Oh, well, I'm a paranormal investigator because I investigate. You're a ghost hunter because you hunt them down like critters in the night. And there is this sort of perceived like one being better than the other, constant toing and froing between the two. Uh, the old-fashioned term used by Price and Elliot O'Donnell and others always was ghost hunter. Peter Underwood was a ghost hunter. Uh, but, you know, and for me, paranormal investigator always, uh, as you said, Stephen, engenders this sort of broader brush approach to people who hug trees, look for Bigfoot, Nessie, um, believe in aliens, uh, stand in the middle of fields looking at the stars and saying, pick, holding up banners saying, pick me, pick me. Um, so I've always stuck to the term which describes as best what I do. But I tried a few years ago to introduce the word manisologist. That's really going to confuse people. Well, I was looking, well, we should have, I, I thought, well, we should, ghost hunters should have their own ology because you've got cryptozoologists, you've got ufologists, yeah. uh, and, of course, anology is a science, if you remember that advert on the television. <laughs> You've got anology. <laughs> <laughs> You're a scientist. <laughs> Maureen Lippmann, wasn't it? It was, indeed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't worry, love. You, you've got anology. You're a scientist. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't have anology of our very own. Now, I, I introduced the term manisology because uh, it borrowed from the Roman term for a ghost. Um, they had other words to describe spirits, but I was specifically looking for ghosts. And I, I, I had a couple of years at trying to introduce the term and failed dismally. What I am against, though, Steve, is people who like to use the term that they call themselves a parapsychologist. Could you be like Kieran? Well, um, I'm not mentioning any, any individuals <laughs> by name. <laughs> well, yeah. I, no, no, Kieran was obviously a joke because he is a qualified parapsychologist, yes. i.e., a psychologist who is a member of the Parapsychological Association, therefore is um, actively working and researching in areas of the paranormal. But there are people out there um, who like uh, Robert Young, yes, uh, who 
I think he entitled himself Dr. Robert Young for a while, yes. till uh, Dr. Callum Cooper called him out on that one. Well, he published a book. He um, did, with that, that with, with, with that on there. Well, he did indeed. Um, now, he called himself for a number of years a parapsychologist, as indeed does Stephen Merrer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually dresses as a parapsychologist. Um, well, the archetypal American expectation of a parapsychologist in tweeds mm-hmm. and little round um, penny glasses. But original parapsychology was based on the human perception of the facts, wasn't it? It wasn't about the study of the facts themselves. It was about how people perceive mm-hmm. the information, then relate that information down to their findings, and then how they translate that across, i.e., are you perceiving an mm-hmm. apparition or is it all in your head kind of thing? Well, I mean, you're dead right. And one of the interesting... Looking back through the history of the terminology, because we all associate it with Rhine, or a lot of people associate it with Rhine and the, uh, the formation at the uh, Duke University of a department dedicated for studying uh, unusual anomalous psychology, parapsychology. Uh, but the term much predates that. It was, I mean, it was one of the terms that Harry Price used for, um, for describing uh, the, the general field um, of investigating mediums, ghosts, haunted houses, spontaneous phenomena. Uh, and the American use of the word is slightly different than ours because... Uh, historically in America, um, prior to Ghostbusters and, you know, before Ghost Hunters were plumbers, uh, the term for describing somebody who was studying ghosts, mediumship and related things was a parapsychologist. So you would have a lot. Uh, it wouldn't be unusual in America to describe, to describe what Dylan and I spend time doing as doing parapsychology and being parapsychologists. And isn't this because they thought that mediumship and spiritualism was just an offshoot of some sort of mental communication, such as telepathy or some sort of self-hypnosis? Well, I so think that's a lot why of psychologists will think that, don't they? That's why it was branded parapsychology, mm-hmm. the study of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, modern psychology hasn't really moved forward from the position you just outlined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they still consider that these phenomena uh, are of the mind i it, it was interesting once i, I um when when um many years ago when kieran uh, dr kieran o'keefe was up at liverpool hope university we were called upon by i think it was asap to take a look at a case uh, in the city of liverpool and we went along and we spoke to the family and uh, we we spent some time with them and then we left we we, we left and we were talking uh, uh, on our way back to uh, the university uh, about what we each thought was taking place. And, uh, you know, we, we gave our thoughts. Now, it, one of the things that I found most interesting, and I said so at the time, is that at no point did he even mention nor consider a paranormal possibility. It never popped up on his radar, which I found to be quite illuminating that, you know, in his, in his mindset, that that thought just didn't in, uh, wasn't encountered. It was a bias towards indeed, that indeed. Uh, you know, it had to be a it had to either have a mundane and normal explanation. It had to be uh, or of the mind. It had to be some abnormal or or uh, unusual psychology operating, or some physiological effect that was affecting the the perception. 
Um, you know, it never considered. It was never a consideration that there was an untoward explanation that could be labelled as paranormal. Do you think we've become quite hung up though on on wanting to decide what we're going to be called, rather than perhaps concentrating on the things that do need to be looked at? Well, I haven't, but mm. the, the the pursuit generally. I mean, you see these because on social media you see so many squabbles, don't you? I mean, people will yeah. squabble over everything. What's on a picture? Whether it's dust, whether it's an orb, whether it's the first stage of a manifestation what its name is, whether, you know, blue orbs are boys and pink orbs are girls and purple <laughs> orbs are now some branch of sort of gender fluid phenomena. Oh, yeah, that's a point. How are we going to get them? There's only, like, seven colours, isn't there, in the visible spectrum, so... Well, fortunately, I'm... We're, we're first... running out of options now. Well, Dylan, you work in media and design. Isn't it, don't we have 32 million colours or something? <clears throat> yeah, we'll, we'll have to come up with some sort of interesting uh, way of, dis- of describing the colours now. Can we go for teal? Teal's quite gender neutral as well, Ooh. so that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. What about pukes? pukes? I like pukes. It's a it's a word that's not used very often. <laughs> Gone out of you can you can almost hear you you, you can hear the complaints coming in right now. Uh, How dare you identify me with being pukes? It's my right to identify myself as any colour I want. I want to be vermilion. <laughs> What, and release bad 80s kind of rock love songs? Oh, no, wait, or, that was someone or, else completely. Actually, actually, <laughs> we might one day encounter somebody who identifies as being butterscotch. Ooh, wow. Or one of those other uh, constructed colours. Was that a racist slur against my nationality, Mr Parsons? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> is, is butterscotch a peculiar to your nation? I, I, no, I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was shortbread. Uh, it isn't a colour, is it? It is now. Why not? not in, is it in the Dulux catalogue? Yeah. Why shouldn't it be? See, we are so repressed up north of the border. <laughs> I want is a shortbread pre- city. <laughs> <laughs> I've no doubt. But, uh, you know, we, we used to have the, what was it, the, uh, I, I think in art and design, um, isn't it the Pantone colour? system oh yes yes you're right but that's been replaced but when i was growing up that was just uh, simply it was just the dulux um paint sample mm. and the very creative use of the 32 shades of white mm. <laughs> antique white black white gray white yep. blue white white with a hint <laughs> of antique white with a hint of butterscotch oh mm. But I do remember butterscotch because one one day my uh, my parents painted all of the doors downstairs in our house in butterscotch. It looked like somebody had thrown up over them, to be honest with you. Mm. It was like vile, disgusting, sort of yellowy colour. I just like butterscotch, especially Angel Delight ones. They were nice. Oh, yeah. I don't think... You've got to be careful because I don't... Do the Americans have Angel Delight? We may just have alienated an entire part of our audience here with mm. angels well, let's not tell them any more about it we'll keep it to ourselves you know you can still buy it yeah yeah, yeah it's still very much on sale mm. asda or walmart if you live overseas yes maybe we should check out walmart when we're in over there in september and see if uh see do they sell um angel delight yeah yeah let's make it up put that on the list okay ticked Right, so moving on. Uh, yeah, so we've... What we, I've forgotten what we talked about. Oh, names. Names, names and branding. Yeah. 
names and brandings. And it, you know, actually, uh, we talk about the investigators, but even within uh, spiritualism, there is this. Uh, you have psychic mediums, trance mediums, yep. Yep. Uh, spiritual mediums, non-spiritualist mediums, mm-hmm. uh, natural-born mediums, LGBTQ mediums. <laughs> you probably do. I'm and if you, sure you do. yeah, there's undoubtedly a few butterscotch mediums as well. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is because there is a difference, isn't there, Stephen, between someone who is mediumistic and someone who is psychic? Completely, it's two totally different things. You Do you can want to enlighten be... us? Sure. Although uh, I already know. And everyone has X amount of level of psychic abilities, i.e. we are in tune with our empathic nature. So to be considering yourself psychic is not something special. It's not something untoward or weird. We all have levels of intuition, gut feeling, and extension of our natural five senses over and above what we would normally be experienced within our physical world. It's basically the extension of the five senses and more if you include your gut feeling and just your sense of knowing. The, to use these, we do it all. Everyone does it, whether we're aware of it or not aware of it. The difference is when you're communicating mediumistically, you're communicating with a third party, you're communicating with someone who is no longer in this life, who has passed beyond death, retains their essence and their emotions and their memories and wants to communicate a message back here. You do that via the medium of that individual medium's psychic abilities. So the psychic abilities function as the conduit for that communication. It doesn't mean that the person who's receiving the message couldn't pick this information up on their own. They may just not have trained themselves or have had enough experience or belief in themselves to pick up the message that's coming across, hence mm-hmm. why a third party is required. That's the way I always look at it. There we are. So you can. Be, so the correct description would be psychic medium um, is okay. That's a good. That's a good use. That's mm-hmm. a good description. That fits. Yes. Um, but then we have all of these weird, uh, like we have nowadays. I, mean, I was. I was. Look. I was talking to somebody. Uh, last week, who describes themselves as a sceptical medium. That's an interesting one. That is an interesting one, isn't it? I I am my own biggest sceptic, but I wouldn't classify myself as a sceptical medium because it immediately puts me on the kind of foot uh, inside my own head. Uh, It's okay to to challenge everything you get. I understand that, and I'm sure, Dylan, you're the same. Every piece of evidence you get, you will challenge. Yeah. It just makes common sense not to take everything on blind faith. You want to experience it. So, um, I mean, myself, I refer to myself as a spiritualist medium because I am a member of the spiritualist movement. That's my religion. That's my belief system. That's my faith. And that's how my mediumship works through that. So um, a a sceptical medium could be someone who wants to challenge everything they're doing, but I'm I'm not decrying it. If that's what they want to call themselves, that's that's fine. That's on them. Uh, But at the same time, it it, it probably tells you more about how perhaps they go about doing what they do. Yeah, yeah. Or or it could be, because what what I see a lot of, and I, I wonder if you two do too, is this blurring of boundaries between roles, because... Uh, what you see a lot of is uh, people who are uh, sensitive, they describe they have sensitivities um, or medium or, or who claim that they are mediumistic. But at the same time, they then claim that they are a scientific investigator. And it's always struck me as somewhat at odds when, when, when 
they're on an inve- you're on an investigation. They're they're part of the investigation, and uh, they're trying. They claim to be trying to seek proof by using instruments, by measuring stuff, by by using EVP devices, but. Intrinsically, they have to already believe that there is something there. They, they, they kind of already know the answers. And then, bizarrely, they get surprised, shocked, and run away when they encounter something. Because I would have thought that somebody who was psychic and mediumistic would be the last person to be surprised by the presence of a spirit popping up in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah. Well, Do you ever find that, Dylan? But you're out if... if... Dylan, if you're doing investigations, do you ever find that people go in these investigations wanting something to happen to them and something happens? I mean, what kind of reactions have you witnessed? Um, a, a range of different sort of reactions. Um, what I tend to find is that, um, especially when the, the public type events, predominantly female attendees, um, and it, it, uh, Steve once described it to me, it, it's, it's like... Um, going to the cinema, you, they're almost needing the popcorn. So they, they've psyched themselves up <laughs> yeah. to a point where they, you know, they're, they're ready to accept practically anything that happens as having a paranormal explanation. Um, and I, I've seen a range of reactions, shock, surprise, crying. Um, yeah, it's quite strange. When it comes to like investigations that have been done um, with people like from um, sort of organizations like ASAP, you don't, I, I've never come across a, a reaction with investigators, you know, like that. It's been pretty much mundane. I've never seen Steve lose his cool, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah, you want to be around me a bit more often. I've lost my cool on plenty of investigations, but that's normally at the investigators themselves. Yes, yes. Not anything that's happened. No, because I find it incredibly frustrating to see people, uh, good people in many cases, who are genuinely interested in exploring the phenomena, um, getting sucked into this vortex. Well, uh, we were at Spirit of, Quest of madness. Of, we were at know, Spirit Quest last last that September. Doesn't count. We're, play, we're, play, shh, we're playing with them. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, but the, when we were using the my create, my, yeah, yeah, oh, the SLS camera. Yeah, and, and the, the, the reporter, she was a journalist, and we figured out, you know, in, in, in front of her what was causing it, and yet it was, oh, I accept what you're saying, but I still think it's a ghost. Oh, well, uh, yeah, we've only got a minute left, but briefly, uh, I took some time with the, with the person concerned and, and actually demonstrated, had her creating ghosts on an SLS camera to order by, uh, by positioning it just so. And uh, it was repeatable. We could get these little stick figures to appear, literally, to order. Um, and she she was operating the SLS camera. And then, um, blow me, afterwards, uh, she goes <laughs> back and says, well, yeah, that was interesting, but um, I've seen it done on television and they're real ghosts. So uh, I just went into a corner and just <laughs> quietly screamed into the back of, I think it was a stuffed cat. Yes, uh, you like that cat. A cat stuffed with electronic gizmos. But uh, we're at the we're at the break, so uh, we shall return after the tunes and a word from our sponsors. Stay tuned to Ghost Chronicles International.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Twanging of the guitar brings us back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. Tonight is a Brexit edition because New England's own Van Helsing is away tending to St. Jan, who's having uh, some surgery today and is very much in our thoughts. So we've hijacked the show tonight um, and the three, the three great superpowers of Great Britain, England, Scotland and Wales, have joined forces in a Brexit edition. Brexit for Americans is um, its a bit like you trying to saw yourselves adrift from Canada or building a wall between you and Mexico, for example. Oh, no, wait, you're trying that, aren't you? Um, but we're not succeeding terribly well with our attempts to escape from Europe um, because, as I said at the start of the show, our government is... Oh, come on, boys, what's the word? Inept? Unique. Unique. Well, I said I, I said that our prime minister is now making Donald Trump look like a statesman. Um, yeah, he's pushing said, it. <laughs> it hey, I saw today. I, I saw, uh, and I don't know if it's even real or not, but I saw um, a US dollar coin with Trump's head on it. I mean, oh. I mean, I've seen them with Eisenhower and Kennedy and. Um, but I haven't seen any of the recent... Do, do they still... Does anybody in the chat room know? Do they still put US presidents' heads on um, stakes, uh, on coins? The other thing I discovered as well, boys, is the existence of a $2 bill. Perfectly legitimate US... Um, uh, it's called the deuce. Oh, right. And the only reason that you don't encounter it very often is because everybody squirrels them away because they think they're unusual and rare. Um, and so they tend to hide them away. So the U.S. Mint obviously makes more. And then, oh, my God, look at this. It's uh, it, it's perfectly acceptable to – and you can go into a bank in America and ask for the deuce. the uh, on the $2. list for September. Yeah, get a $2 bill. Mm. Reminds me of the old 11-shilling note that my grandfather used to give me every year for Christmas. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> hey. Then were the days. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, what were we talking about before the break? Differences in the way in terminology and how it applies to mm. what we do. And, um, and we, we got then onto the subject of ghost hunting and why ghost hunters, why some ghost hunters run away. <laughs> Which always, I mean, why, yeah, why do we run, why do some ghost hunters run away? It, it's cool. Is Sorry. it a scare factor? I, th I think it's a Scooby-Doo syndrome. I mean... Quite, quite, quite literally, Scooby and Shaggy want to find ghosts, and they find ghosts, then they run away. The thing about Scooby and Shaggy and uh, that analogy, uh, why I don't, I don't think it applies to modern ghost hunting, is that they always solve the case, oh, and they always, they, they always recognise that it wasn't a demon and it wasn't a ghost. <laughs> it was old man Withers. It was, yeah, <laughs> but for those past kids, Rikes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was good. That was good. <laughs> but you know what? It's an interesting point. Why, why, why do they get scared? Do not... Yeah, well, the modern ghost hunters are nothing like Scooby-Doo. They couldn't solve you know, the mystery of a... They couldn't investigate the wares of a soggy paper bag, half of them. But the thing is, if they're running away and getting frightened, they're just copying exactly what they're seeing on TV. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. Because... The whole the whole basis of paranormal television seems to be the investigator having the bejesus scared out of them. Yeah. You know, can you survive 24 hours in paranormal lockdown? Who cares? You know, the other night I, um, I, I watched, I was unfortunate enough as I was going through the channels to find uh, one of the newer episodes of, of Most Haunted. And fortunate enough. I was unfortunate, yeah. Oh, um, are they still making it? I didn't even know they were still making it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think we were, think that, we're hoping they weren't. But, Talk about um, flogging a dead dog. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Even um, as a you know, as, as watchable TV, it was completely unwatchable. Um, it, it's it's just, it, I think it, it's the first time a television show has actually become a parody of itself. Yes, yeah. Uh, and it was just... It was basically shots of... Um, Yvette, Fr Fred, isn't it? Fred Bat. Yeah. Um, Demon uh, Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Dressing up in his costume, uh, and one other person, static, just on camera for long lengths of period, cutting occasionally to Carl and uh, Stuart um, doing what they always do. Which, then, for, the, for those who've never seen the show, is basically running around and trying to beat the crap out of each other uh, and pull the wool over everybody else's eyes by claiming that they've just encountered the um, the haunting spirit of some um, angry demon, angry murderer. It's usually a murderer, isn't it, on most haunts? Yeah, 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 yeah somebody murderers. very angry. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's Mr. Shouty Man. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's, it's got to be a shouty one. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was appallingly unwatchable television. It was bad. Um, I, yeah, there have been some terrible television shows that I've always found them addictive. One like, do you remember El Dorado? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most addictive soap opera that the BBC ever created with uh, movable sets, wooden actors, but the scenery in the backdrop. Um mm. It was set on the south coast, on the costas in Spain, which is like the British equivalent of Florida, uh, full of old, wrinkly um, pensioners all burning themselves to the colour of mahogany um, and then spending the night in bars. So it is actually, I've just described Florida, really, haven't I? Sorry, Florida. 
Sorry, Florida. Oh, oh, it's Florida without the theme parks in actual fact. But the acting in it was so bad that the program became addictive. And before that, did we have Prisoner Cell Block H? Uh, don't knock Prisoner. No, no, you can't knock Prisoner. No, Prisoner was class. Yeah, because it was the only prisoner. I, <laughs> so it, this was an Australian soap opera set in an all-women's fi- uh, prison um, yeah. that was only shown on television, the, the wee small hours, but gained an addictive audience of bleary-eyed followers who would sit up till stupid o'clock to watch because it was just so appallingly brilliant. Mm. It was like a car crash. Um, that's just what I was going to say. Yeah, it's car crash telly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of. Um, I mean, it's a form it's of un- YouTube watching cats fall out of trees. <laughs> people on snowmobiles ploughing into um, off cliffs. But is, is, isn't this just kind of symptomatic of something has to happen? Therefore, we make something happen. When realistically, as I've experienced on paranormal, the few paranormal investigations I've done, as I'm sure you guys have experienced. Nothing happens for years. <laughs> you know, there's rarely, if ever, anything major. Certainly, like what you see on the television. You know, that's a that that's the uh, the rare occurrence to ever get anything like that after a certain length of time in one location. Never mind. It know, certainly isn't rare on television. Um, no, but I mean, in, the, in the real world, when you're actually when you're undertaking well, well, real investigations. Well, well, well um, having worked on most haunted. <clears throat> um, <laughs> the the reality of the show is that in actual fact in that 24 hour period that you are there a great deal happens the question is is how much of that great deal that happens is paranormal and then then i would agree totally with you that none of it um, or not very much <laughs> at all uh, but there i mean there are certainly instances down the years where the odd thing has happened whilst filming Most Haunted. And I dare say that holds true for other television programmes too, because they are in buildings where people have had unusual experiences, reported experiences. It's the whole reason they're there, for heaven's sake, in, in most cases. Um, so I suppose if you're filming 100, 200-plus episodes of a TV show and spending time in locations where people have had um, weird experiences then statistically one or two times you would expect to encounter something. It's interesting, isn't it? Because they've mentioned a few times on the live shows, like, um, you know, when they do this uh, stuff on Channel 5 with Ryland, that um, it's when they were rigging for the show during the day, during daylight hours, that's when one or two interesting things did happen. Well, you've worked. I mean, you you work with uh, the sort of uh, setting up and the the rigging and de-rigging mm. of television programs, and have spoken to these these people. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would have said that anything that's got Ryland involved in it is rigged anyway. But <laughs> I mean, he's dental work. <laughs> I mean, is is he actually? I mean, I, I've never met the man. Um, I presume Me he's neither. entirely. Me I neither. presume he's entirely made of plastic. Mm. Um, and spray painted before each performance but uh, yeah so I mean do you get do you hear stories from the setting up crews the riggers and the the sound men and the the humpers and lifters and cable layers of television yeah I mean they've there have been one or two you know interesting anecdotes uh, of their experiences on some of these live shows um, Woodchester Mansion was actually one of the ones um, 
where a couple of people have said that they, they really did feel as though there was something odd going on at that location uh, when they were laying cables uh, ready for the show. Um, and it, it's those kind of things that I, I find the most interesting. But how much because... of that is, good, is going to be expectation? Because they, they know what they're there for and they know what the whole basis of the programme is about. They know that they're going to a haunted building. I think with, with with the people that I'm talking about that you know that I do work with, um, you know, riggers are a, a hardy bunch, um, yes. not easily frightened by anything. Yeah, lacking uh, imagination, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but most of the guys that I work with, they are very, they're very good, and you know, it, they're not really bothered about things like that, you know. Um, but there's been one or two occasions where they've said that you know it. it Something has happened where it's made them think twice. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Stephen, I, yes. I was reading some old reports um, that relate to the very early days of ghost ghost groups, groups of people going out ghost hunting, um, and was, was genuinely surprised to discover that um, back in the 1920s and 30s, some of the foremost groups who would go out to haunted houses were actually spiritualists. That's correct. Um, and that, that struck me, because I've, I'd always thought up until uh, that discovery that um, ghost hunting en masse really didn't involve mediums and spiritualists until relatively recently. Um <laughs> Because you know, mediums were almost never, never seen in, never to be seen in haunted houses. But then, you know, Borley, uh, a spiritualist church, a spiritualist group, the Mark, or oh, I can't remember the name, Mark Vey, uh, spiritualist group, rolled up at Borley while Price was there, and uh, there were accounts I've got from Lancashire and from different parts of the UK and, and Scotland included, uh, where members of the spiritualist church would form a group of, of people and go to a haunted house in order to discover more about what was happening. I still know some people who are they're not linked to a, a spiritualist organisation, but they do have their own spiritualist church. It's an, an independent church who do still form groups and go ghost hunting. And nowadays that's, looked, that's quite frowned upon by the official religious groups. Uh -huh. who are part of the spiritualist movement because that's not what their religious movement is about. But uh, there will be a link. There is a link, I feel, between the pursuit of what, what, what you could determine as a ghost or uh, some form of kind of, you know, fixed static phenomena uh -huh. with, within a place and a spiritual link that could be made also within a location, and uh, I've uh, I've not got a lot of information on it, but I do know what happened, and I believe it was to try and determine the cause or links between traditional style hauntings and spiritualist phenomena, mm -hmm. to try and determine whether or not are these things actually spirit connections, or are they independent, or you know, is is this something else that we don't know about, mm -hmm. or we, we we need to try and determine. Uh, particularly on the build-up to the creation of spiritualism as a formed religion, that would have been a requirement, almost. Right. I believe to show that uh, that you're able to distinguish between the two. Because I, what was it? What was it, like, uh, reading through some of these old accounts from the twenties? Uh, there was one case up in Lancashire, uh, where the members of the spiritualist church, um, the Blackburn Spiritualist Church, I think it was, went along. 
and they determined that it wasn't a ghost and that the re- it was entirely the results of lights from a bakery across the road shining through the uh, uh, through, through uh, the, the front windows of the house. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they were the first sceptical psychic, uh, psychics. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps it's not such a surprising uh, expression. Well, when, when you also think about what a medium's job is, a medium's job is to help people deal with the grief of loss of their loved ones. And if someone is experiencing something within an environment or someone believes something exists, I mean, the, the concept of a spiritualist that you're going to be trapped forever in one place and that your spirit cannot return to the spirit realm, it's going to be lost forever in this unending hell loop of just repeating the same day over and over. That's That doesn't tie in with anything that we, we and myself as a spiritualist, has ever encountered. It doesn't make sense. Because... I thought you were talking about Brexit then, Steve. Oh, sorry, I've got confused about them again, haven't I? Sorry, yes. That's right. So, so when we get messages as mediums through Westminster, no, wait, I've done it again. <laughs> Leave now. I don't want to. It's cold out there. Yeah. I, I've actually attributed Westminster, the, the Tory party, as, you know that scene in... Uh, the two towers with Gollum. <laughs> He's got oh, a yeah. shaggling Gollum on the go. Leave now and never come back. But Master loves me. Leave now and never come back. <laughs> That's what the whole thing's like now. I've got a solution to it. It's dead easy. All we need to do is build a wall between Northern Ireland and the Republic. Oh, they could do it. Just never come to it. Actually, do you, know, do you know what would solve it? Give Northern Ireland back. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> to who? <laughs> to the Irish, of course. But the Northern Irish don't want that. Yeah, we well, see. We're back to this age-old problem. Master loves me. I don't want to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> you see, we make this. This is Cromwell's doing. Cromwell and Elizabeth the First. They caused this mess. They did, you know. They went over there. Then they invaded the bloody country. I mean, the Irish were quite happily getting on with being Irish, so we went stamped all over the place. See, the English. That's, this is why the now, Celtic nations don't like the English. <laughs> Just a minute, boys. Just a minute. Neither of your countries would have a tourist. Well, the Welsh especially wouldn't have a tourist industry, but for the English. If we, had, all the castles. If, yeah. we, if we hadn't invaded Wales and built all those castles. What else is there in Wales? I mean, I haven't even got a decent range of mountains to speak of. Scotland, you go past Glasgow, well, if you can get past Glasgow, and, <laughs> and survive. There is you, these extraordinary mountain vistas, Ben Nevis and the Cairngorms, Glencoe, where, okay, we had a small run-in with uh, the Scots there, but they lost. Um you know, Scotland at least has got attractive things to look at. They have lake monsters, they've got mountains, they've got scenery, they've got heather, shortbread, and strange men who wear skirts. Who's heather, shortbread? <laughs> she works for Dulux. She's doing yeah, a range of paints. She's one of those strange men that wears a skirt. I will have you know that we have got attractive things to look at. Uh, Catherine Scotland. Zeta-Jones? No. Although she's gone to America. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you can't have a... Well, the Zeta... That's not a Welsh name. Zeta. Good Welsh name. Good Welsh name. <laughs> Blodwen. Now, Catherine Blodwen Jones. Zeta. Zeta is not a Welsh name. 
No, it's not. I totally agree with you. Not like this new cotton uh, crop they do, of though. Oh, no, names. No. Wheels, Wheels have got a nice, shiny new Six Nations trophy. Mm. Yeah, we've done the sports, boys. We've done the sports. <laughs> we've done the... Yeah. See if yourself's both smiling after November in the World Cup. What's that? Is that that round ball That's thing? The, oh, no, we don't play rugby that. World, rugby World Cup. Oh, the, the, World Cup shape, yeah. the testicle yeah. shape ball. <laughs> or the bollock shape ball. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say that? Uh, well, you have. <laughs> there we are. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, you might not be English, but, you know, Wales especially, um, which in reality isn't even a country, wouldn't have a tourist industry at all. Uh, but for the English, building lines of castles up and down the place. Hmm. Huge, attractive castles that people, including Dylan, um, spends time looking for ghosts in. Yes, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, we can claim a little bit of the Scottish sort of tourist industry too. Stirling Castle and Edinburgh Castle and Dunstable Castle. And you know, we put a few up there as well. Yes, you have. You have indeed. So Only because we let you. Why <laughs> have a dog in back yourself? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Hang on, as I recall from as I recall from my history, every time we we went north of the border, the Scots ran away. Uh, up to a point, yeah. Yeah, right up to Inverness, wasn't it? <laughs> I can't remember. No, it was it was south of Edinburgh. Was no, it, it was in no, it was Inverness. Oh yes, it was. Uh, it was right up yeah, the top there. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Don't forget, don't forget when the Scots came down, they got to buy Derby and thought we're not coming any further south than no, this, and you can't, no, I mean, and you can't about, blame I, them. I, I was about <laughs> to say, I was about to say, yeah, well, Richard Felix lives there. Um, I was, I, yeah, I was about to say that Scotland is still, I think, the only nation uh, of the the home nations to have invaded England. Yes, because I don't think Wales has ever bothered. The mm. Scottish invasion was somewhat half-hearted, though. Um, they did rather well in their uh, journey down to London. They got halfway. They got the Swarkston Bridge, which is about three or four miles from where I live. Yeah, and then we just distract- there. Well, they stopped as soon as they found a decent pub. <laughs> well, I was I was going to say they, they got to the M6 toll, then realised they'd no five fences, <laughs> so they took all the way back up and get some five P's. By that time, you'd followed them up the road. <laughs> we didn't have that. That's historically inaccurate. <laughs> no, it's not. It's all true. <laughs> I read it on the internet. <laughs> I read it on the Talk, Google. Talking of ghosts, there are some ghost stories that stem from that particular march south. I'm not talking surprised. about ghosts. All right. Okay then. <laughs> You put your absolute, but no, but you are absolutely right because Richard Felix has made a career out of selling the ghosts of Derby, many of which are related to the uh, the forty five, the seventeen forty five yes. long march of the Scots um, mm. when they oh. set set off from Edinburgh, Edinburgh, um, and came all the way down to Derby, um, yep. leaving leaving ghost stories in their wake because there are many in, in, scattered around Preston in Lancashire. Mm. Uh, where the Scots army had a small and minor skirmish with some of the English militia. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, did. yeah, it, yeah. Fell on did. deaf ears. Sorry, that was no, I'm listening. Fish. I'm listening. Ah, okay. Uh, and then ended up in Derby, mm. leaving yet more ghosts in their wake. Yes. Yeah, but mostly the ruin. <laughs> it's not be about the bush. It was mostly the ruin by that point. You know. Um, well, I, as, I, as I recall, historically, most of the Scots who got as far as Derby 
all went home again I mean, because there was no battle yeah. that just turned oh, that's around. right they did they, they just yeah, decided they for some around. reason yeah. oh it, let's go it was like the longest stag night ever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like they just just went on a rant let's just go for a crawl right down to there okay what are we going to do now I don't know let's yeah, just nowadays, go yeah nowadays yeah. they just go down to Blackpool don't they mm. oh no nobody goes to Blackpool anymore it's always full of Scotsmen and is it yeah Ah, oh, that's just, it's obviously just English people putting on Scottish accents. I don't know oh, anyone no, no. that goes to Blackpool. I can't uh, stand Blackpool. Every time I go there, it's full, absolutely, the only the only accent you hear are obviously uh, Eastern European in all the pubs and restaurants and yeah. hotels. And every and every tourist is a Scot. It's yeah, so like, how come they don't take our five pound notes then? Aye. Because they're fake. <laughs> <laughs> We've completely the lost the plot yes. here, Steve. No, no, no. Listen, I'm telling you, the Queen does not have a moustache. <laughs> well, at I least not know, on the bank. You, if you look really closely. <laughs> not on We've the bank. We've got 4K notes. TVs now, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you need a phone. She's shrinking, bless her. Ah, uh, there we sell. She is, isn't she? She's getting smaller. It's either that or our television screen's getting bigger. <laughs> then she should be getting exponentially bigger. Not if she's life size. <laughs> Actual size. <laughs> There's an argument there on about perspective for another yeah. show. But uh, what one of the because battlefields rate highly in in, in ghost lore um, because America obviously they have uh, many many stories relating to the uh, battle the American Civil War battlefields skirmish uh, yeah. sites most notably of course Gettysburg and we're not short of the odd battlefield here but relating it to um, not short of the odd haunted battlefield here but relating it to uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie and that. 1745 jaunt down to Derby, where they all ended up back as far north in Scotland as almost as they could get, um, which ended in a Scottish defeat, uh, where historically speaking, a half Scots, half French army was defeated by a half English, half Scots army. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To to make it even more unusual. That's right. And is celebrated to, because if you go to the site, uh, and I, I, I've been, and it's it has a very powerful reputation for uh, contemporary accounts of uh, encounters of ghostly soldiers. But the, the over my overbiding uh, impression of Culloden was that uh, the Scots won uh, because it, it, as you go around there, there's almost no mention of the fact that. They lost, <clears throat> and everybody is wearing tartan, eating shortbread, uh, and it, it, it's kind of turned into this. This battlefield has turned into a huge tourist attraction, uh, celebrating the Scots' um, victory at Culloden over the English. Yeah, which is historically incorrect. Well, perhaps they're celebrating the fifty percent who were on the winning side. Well, yeah, I suppose there is that as well. I never thought it. Uh, it was basically just a big religious fight, really, when we get right down to it. You know, it was all about religion and, you know, who you as, want to be as, in charge as of. Most it. battles are. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of our most battles uh, on British soil have, have been more about power, because they've been one branch of the royal family scra- squ- uh, squabbling with the other branch of the royal family, mm-hmm. which resulted in a series of civil wars. You know, we talk about the civil war in the 16th, uh, 17th century, but we've had several. I mean, that was our third civil war, if we count the uh, the uh, 
the Stephen and Matilda debacle. Uh, back yeah. in the century. That was a yeah. Yeah. That's not me they're talking about in case anybody's wondering. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that was that was the doorbell, boys. So it's time for us to sum up the Brexit show, the Ghost Chronicles International Brexit Edition. Uh, just reiterate our uh, wishes to, to St. Jan. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And we all hope to see her back up and um, firing on all four cylinders in the very near future and keeping New England's own Van Helsing very much in check. Someone's got to. Oh, yeah. So how can people get hold of you, Stephen, if they want to learn more about your adventures as a psychic medium? Uh, If they're really bored, they could check out uh, stephenwkscott.wordpress.com. There we go. And we can find out, and maybe they can find out what we're doing in August. Oh, yes, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll put some stuff up on there soon. I had, because I discovered it was 420 miles to drive. Yeah, I told you it was a long drive. <laughs> oh, and then for, apparently it's 420 back again. Apparently, and, yeah. Yeah, and Dylan, <laughs> you also host the Great British Ghost Hunt. No. It's the Great British Ghost Tour. It's similar. And if you want it's to find more great, information on British. that. It's great and it's British. It is, it is. And how can people find that then? They can just go onto their interweb, type in www.greatbritishghosttour.co.uk. Easy as that. You're doing an American edition of that now, aren't you? Shh. Aren't you? Aren't you? It might be. Well, thanks, boys and um, listeners, because it's time to wrap up the show. We survived. We got away with it again. Yeah, we've, we've not been banned in three countries at like the last show. <laughs> That's true, and <laughs> we can never be berated for this because I think uh, I think it's fairly safe to say Ron will never figure out how to listen to the podcast. <laughs> good night, God bless. Good night, all. Good night. Deliver us, good Lord. <laughs>